0: Lisa Kay, connecting the community on Talk of the Town. We are back in the KTOE studio for Talk of the Town. My name is Lisa Kay. Thank you so much for joining us. Going to get right into the topic today because there's a lot to talk about. And Paul Peterson, District 77 Superintendent, in studio with me. How are you doing, Paul?
1: Lisa, I am great. It's great to see you.
0: It's always good to have you in here, one of my most uh, downloaded guests. (sighs) Did you know that? Did I tell you that?
1: Uh, No, but I'm going to take that as a compliment. I
0: look at the metrics from uh, Mm -hmm. the, the podcast. Podcasts that go on, and when Paul comes on, people download. They want to hear what you have to say, but we're
1: going to keep you kind of quiet today. I think that's fair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's fair so much, but you were in. We were talking a little bit about a mapping prejudice project that's yeah. going on, and you were telling me that the school district was somewhat involved. Mm-hmm. And I was under the impression this was just totally an MSU thing, um, but there are so many different community partners that are involved in this. Um, where do we start? Do you want yeah. to tell me what that is or how you got involved? Well, or? I
1: think what's what's probably best is for me just to tee it up a little bit and then hand it over to to the, our special guest today.
0: Special guest. Um,
1: but no, I, I'm, so, I'm so excited that uh, that the school district is able to partner. And uh, as a former social studies teacher, I think that great teachers are, are always looking for opportunities to make learning authentic mm-hmm. um, in the communities in which that they're teaching and the kids are learning. And so- When I heard of this project and when I heard that um, we had classes um, uh, at East and West that were engaged in this, that was something that really just made me uh, really excited to hear about. And so here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Tell
0: me about this as a superintendent. You're hearing about mm-hmm. the, the classes that are engaged in this. So these are just these these phenomenal teachers that we have in our district that right. are yeah. working on things.
1: Right. Yeah. And we're so we're so ple- I'm so pleased to have along with me today Tim Megan. Tim is a teacher at East High School of Social Studies, um, and Tim is is one of those teachers that uh, has taken on this idea that you know in order for learning to come alive for kids, uh, we got to connect them to the communities in which they live, uh, looking to the future, but then also looking back a little bit as, as a part of what, it, what, what has been a part of our history in the region. And uh, I think that the mapping project just lined up well. I mean, all the stars aligned. And uh, we had a couple of teachers like Tim who grabbed this um, and really uh, made it happen for our kids. So I'm excited for you to talk with him here and and learn a little bit more about what the kids did and, and how this project uh, progressed.
0: Well, Tim, thank you for coming in and joining us today on Talk of the Town.
2: Sure. Thanks for having me.
0: Tell me a little bit about you and how long have you been teaching?
2: Um, I've been teaching since uh, 2004. I uh, spent 12 years with Chicago Public Schools. And then in 2016, I came up here to Mankato.
0: All right. Well, that's quite a change from Chicago to Mankato. Yes. So, when you are uh, teaching, what classes are you are you handling at Mankato East High School?
2: I teach world history, uh, human geography, and race, ethnicity, and civil rights.
0: All right. So, this kind of puts it right in your wheelhouse as far as when we talk about the mapping project. How did you get involved?
2: Well, um, in 2019, um, I went attended a lecture at uh, Mankato State. Um, I'm sorry, MSU Mankato. Um, about the Mapping Prejudice Project that was taking place in Minneapolis. Um, They were mapping restrictive covenants in housing, which are um, uh, basically uh, additions to housing titles um, that restricted the sale of homes to certain people, Um, most often African Americans, um, but also people like Asians, Catholics, and Jews.
0: Okay, and so when you... Went to this presentation. I mean, what struck you as like? Well, I we mean, we need to was, do
2: something here. Yeah, it was like almost like an epiphany. You know, it kind of it's a it was a perfect um, project to bring to Mankato because it, it combines you know my personal GIS experience. I have taught that previously. Um, but also I knew it would be an excellent fit for the new Race, Ethnicity, and Civil Rights class that um, we were going to introduce the following school year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, like Dr. Peterson said, in an authentic uh, learning project, um, and a, a community-based project where the university, the district, uh, community organizations, and community volunteers could all collaborate um, to learn more about our local history,
0: it wasn't as easy as just putting something together, and it came about because you contacted the folks up in Minneapolis at first, right?
2: Yeah, so I knew that it, you know, this was um, it was a very very um, new, fresh uh, way of um, doing historical research and incorporating, you know, the latest technology, you know, mapping technology. Into uh, rediscovering um, some things about the past that just aren't talked about but are critically important in order to understand um, how we got to where we are today. So, um, the following fall, so I, I attended that lecture in the spring of 2019. In the fall of 2020, the uh, East High School Social Justice Club launched a whole public relations campaign. To try and demonstrate to the Mapping Prejudice folks in Minneapolis that we had broad public support, we mm-hmm. were organized, and we were ready to take this challenge on. So um, the first thing that we did was we reached out to community organizations uh, asking for support. And then uh, my students wrote and published an editorial uh, in the Free Press. Um, simultaneously we also launched a petition drive and gathered over 400 signatures um, and then presented all of this to uh, the folks in Minneapolis um, and asked for their assistance getting started.
0: And was that received well? Was it, did it take much longer than that? I well, mean, they, I think yeah. when we think about things like this, I think, oh, yes, of course that happened in a big city. But here we are in Mankato in rural Minnesota.
2: Mm-hmm. And that was my, I didn't receive an immediate response. It took, um, uh, I got no response whatsoever for two weeks. Uh, I followed up again, still no response for another month. Um, and I and that was my impression in my mind. I was thinking, oh well, maybe they're just thinking. Mankato is just not is too small. Yeah, uh, we and, don't
0: count. Yes, <laughs> and right.
2: so I kind of wrote that in an email, kind of a rude email. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, embarrassed to admit. Direct. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, to those folks, and and then I did get a response, and they ended up sending us um, about a thousand files of housing titles uh, that had been flagged for potentially containing uh, restrictive covenant language.
0: Was that project in Minneapolis covering the whole state, or were they focusing mainly on the Minneapolis
2: Yeah, they they were focusing mainly on Hennepin County, I believe. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. But they did have data for down here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So um, they have a software program that they developed that um, basically any housing titles that are electronically scanned... Um, are, It's basically a keyword search, okay. and so it, it can search these files looking for uh, racist language in housing titles. And then if it finds something like that, it is flagged, but it requires human beings to take a look at that language and find out if it, in fact, is a racist uh, covenant, restrictive covenant, rather, uh, or not.
0: And so they sent files to us down mm-hmm. here, and you took those and... Did, like, the students were working on them.
2: Yes, that didn't happen until the following year. Okay. So um, we got a response from them in May of 21, uh, or, yeah, that's correct. And then the fall of uh, 2021, when the um, inaugural class for race, ethnicity, and civil rights launched, that's when we began working on the deeds. Um, immediately prior to the beginning of the school year, um Dr. Leah White uh, introduced me to Dr. Jill Cooley at the university, mm-hmm. and she expressed interest in taking leadership on the project. And I said, "Please." I mean, I, at this point, I was a bit over my head, sure. and um, I appreciated the leadership and the resources that her and the university provided. Okay, and So, so, then it so when we a, think
0: this is a university project, I mean, we're talking to the guy that actually got it got it rolling. I here. got it rolling. Yeah. And
2: I My only. My only goal was to see it through to the end yeah. so that this got done for our community. Um, um, but, um, you know, so her students examined deeds that fall. My students, uh, high school students examined deeds that fall. You know, we encountered some difficulties. Um, but it was a learning experience for those kids, for sure.
0: What kind of difficulties did the kids run into?
2: Well, um, the the university uses the Microsoft Office Suite, and we use Google uh, and have Google Chromebooks at the district level. So there was some, you know, technical issues in terms of trying to communicate between those two sure. platforms or systems. And and then, you know, these are 100-year-old primary source documents. Um, a lot of them are handwritten. They're written in, you know, beautiful cur- you know penmanship, cursive. <laughs> Wait a minute, we can't
0: read cursive anymore?
2: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, students, they don't. Know how to read cursive these days. And so that that was a challenge too for a lot of them getting through the right. text.
0: And so when you mentioned some of the language that they were looking for mm-hmm. to kind of prove that this was a racist document. Mm-hmm. What kind of language was used? I mean, were there are there phrases you can you can yeah, say well, and, and tell us?
2: Right. So different covenants have different language depending on what the covenants targeted uh or who the covenant is targeted towards um, the by far the most common covenant in Mankato was um, this home may be sold or occupied by members of the Caucasian race only
0: okay mm-hmm. all right
2: Except- but in other places there are covenants that are you know restrict the sale of a home to Catholics blacks Jews uh, Asians and so forth
0: and that all happened here in our area in our listening area
2: yeah right? well all over the country yeah
0: I, and I think one of the one of the reactions that I get when I talk about this in broad terms to people was like, oh, that, did that happen here? Mm-hmm. Did that really happen here? mean yeah. like I can see big cities. Did they?
2: Yes, it did. Yeah, in fact, I had a student in that class examining those covenants, those deeds that we had been sent, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, I live here. This is where I live." Oh wow! Yeah, she yeah. identified that uh, an actual. Her entire block was covenanted. Wow.
0: Here on KTOE, uh, we're talking a little bit about the Mapping Prejudice Project with District 77 Superintendent Paul Peterson, who brought Tim Megan in, history teacher at East, that kind of got the whole ball rolling. And we take a look at why this is important. And what is it? What are you finding that it it has done for the students that are involved? And you as
2: a teacher? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean... It's kind of it, well. The proof is in the pudding, right? And so, when we talk about systemic discrimination, um, you know, for middle class white families, the primary way that middle class white families build wealth is through home ownership, and um, it's important for students to understand that. Um, you know, while Black GIs coming home from World War II were recipients of the GI Bill, they weren't able to utilize the GI Bill because um, housing was segregated, universities were segregated, uh, and very few of those um, opportunities existed for African Americans. And so, you know, when we talk about um, systemic discrimination, holding certain groups of oppressed people back, that's, this is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. And so that was an eye-opener for my students. For sure.
0: Because they live in a time now where you would like to think that this doesn't happen. Are they being able, uh, having their eyes opened a little bit, can can they pick out sure. where it's still happening?
2: Sure. And they, well, they can make connections to today, right? I mean, big systems suffer today from uh, discrimination, right? Including school systems. Mm-hmm. And so they absolutely were able to make connections between how African American students navigate the school system. Um, and how African-Americans in the past tried to navigate the housing system. Mm,
0: Okay. yeah, And I think a lot of that is not, uh, well, has not been taught, right? I mean, you're a history teacher, right? So how do you kind of justify that with yourself? And and what do you do with, maybe we were not you know, we hear a lot like, we weren't taught that in in history class when Mm -hmm. we were young.
2: We weren't taught that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I wasn't either. Right, right. Um, It only comes through experience that you know I pick these things up uh, like anybody, you know. um, And you know, I make try and make an effort to ensure that the 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 narrative right that comes out of my class is is both accurate and fact based, but also fills in those gaps that I had in my own history education.
0: The map from the mapping project is not out yet. It's not public yet. Correct. But um, what are some of the the things that you know, mm-hmm. uh, the things that you might find interesting that listeners might be, okay, we're going to wait for this to come out. We're going to take a look at it.
2: Sure. Well, one of the things that we discovered was a segregated cemetery. So there were actual cemetery plots that contained restricted covenants. So this isn't just be- housing. Yeah, yeah that's right.
0: It's not just housing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's housing after you're done. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Long-term housing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did identify, I know of uh, specifically at least two clusters of uh, covenanted homes, one being um, on Glencrest uh, up on the bluffs, okay, right? and then another being uh, there's a cluster on the bluffs that face um and Woods, and so you know you're, what we're talking about here is really the most desirable real estate. Some of the most desirable real estate in in Mankato at the time um, was restricted to uh, white people only, mm. and I think. That's it's it's really interesting too the intersections that, uh, the intersectionality between race and class and how restrictive covenants were seen um, not only as a point of privilege but also a means of protecting um, housing property values.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we fast forward to today, we're making history right now. Um, clearly, those things aren't written into the deeds today. But but they still exist. Right. They're still there. They're still there. And Mm -hmm. has there been any move to remove or denounce or anything or call attention to? um, Here's what it was. We don't do this anymore.
2: Yeah. So there is. I do know there are um, lawyers who are doing pro bono work. Like there's an organization called Just Deeds and they can't remove the restrictive covenant from the title but what they can do is add a document um, saying you know, that this this uh, covenant has been, you know, renounced by the current owner. Um, and so that's one thing that can be done. And I think that's a good thing. But, um, yeah, ultimately the, the, the covenants are in the deeds and they're there to stay.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's a good um, way for us to look back, which is exactly what this project is doing, mm-hmm. uh, looking back and seeing what it was at the time and what we learn from what what we can learn from history
2: mm-hmm. absolutely I'll look at the makeup of the town I mean the beauty of GIS geographic information systems is that you can layer this stuff so like you can layer um, different sets of data onto the same map and then um, make spatial connections and draw conclusions based on the spatial relationships that you see so for example if there are certain clusters of restricted covenants uh, you can overlay, for example, uh, school district boundaries or attendance boundaries within the district and find out how did race impact how attendance boundaries were drawn um, for our schools, both our elementary and our high schools. And, did, and I, I'm super excited to do that. Oh,
0: you haven't done that yet. That so has that, not
2: been done yet. But okay. it, it will, this map, it will make that kind of research possible.
0: Wow. Okay. And when do you think that this map might come out and, and be talked about a little bit more? Is there a timeline estimate or anything like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's in progress. Work is in progress. Um, it should be released within the next few weeks or perhaps the next I would anticipate it being released before the end of the spring semester at the university. Okay. But I I don't have any official information on that. All right. Well, we. Will but it's going to generate quite a buzz in town. Right. I we are
0: going to keep an eye on it. Definitely, is something I've been watching um, since the beginning when I heard it was going on uh, uh, quite a while ago. Actually, um, what are the students still? Are the students still learning from this today? Are they still working on it, or is their participation in part done?
2: Yeah, I mean, at the high school level, the participation part is for the most part done. I know that um, students at MSU are still working, um, uh, but most of the the deeds that we had have been mapped. Now it's just a matter of working out the technical uh, kinks and glitches in the GIS program. You know, things have changed over time, so for example, boundary locations of of specific plots um, Mm -hmm. in the 1920s aren't the same as where they are today. Right. And so that stuff has to be researched and figured out.
0: What is the best takeaway that you have from this so far? I know you're not done with it yet, but
2: well, I mean, I'm just so excited about it because not only was the creation of the map an authentic learning experience for my students, but the um, once the map is made public, it's going to be a, a tremendous learning tool um, for my students and and for the community, and I mean, I hope that we can not only just learn from this, right, but also take some action. You know, what what measures can we take not just to acknowledge the discrimination that occurred in the past, but what uh, measures can we take to try and maybe correct um, some of the uh, things that have oppressed people over the years, mm-hmm. and so uh, working towards that. Um, Social justice piece, I think, is is putting learning into action, right? Mm -hmm. We don't learn history just for the sake of knowing it. Of course, knowledge is wonderful in and of itself, but the purpose of acquiring knowledge and understanding things is to take action to make the world a better place in the future for our children, all of our children.
0: Paul, I think that, that just
2: Amen. sums it up, right? Like, <laughs> that was great.
0: It's so incredible to uh, have you bring one of our area educators mm. in here, and thank you so much for your time and all of the contributions that you've done, and with the kids, too, bringing the uh, giving them ownership of this as well, which I think is just going to be incredible uh, moving forward for those kids that have been involved in it in any way, um, and all the learning that's taking place.
1: Paul. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <clears throat> I mean, Lisa, highly effective. Effective teaching is complicated, complex, very difficult profession. Not everyone can do it in the traditional sense. But when you take someone like, I mean, you could just hear it in Tim's voice, mm-hmm. the passion mm-hmm. of connecting learning um, or connecting kids and history to, lo- to learning um, that in, in an authentic way within community. Yeah,
0: That's, that's who I want my kid to learn that from. That is even
1: yeah. more complicated. Yeah. It's even more complex because – um, it ta- it's so labor intensive and working with kids and hitting the right level of difficulty and keeping them engaged. Um, like I said, it's hard enough to do it in the four walls of a classroom, mm-hmm. but then to take that out into the streets or mm-hmm. into your community is just what I have such high admiration for Tim and all of our teachers who think differently about what learning can look like. In our community, with community, mm-hmm. just, uh, it's just—it's just tremendous.
0: Yeah, learning goes far beyond the classroom. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Tim, for all that you've done to help push this project forward and oh, get. Thank you for involved. having us. Yes, very excited. Uh, Paul, come back next time. Bring another fabulous teacher, <laughs> like. I love these conversations uh, and want to thank you for all that you've We can have do.
1: 700 of them. so I th- We
0: got time. We got time <laughs> to fill, right? <laughs> Our talk of the town today Paul Peterson and Tim Megan, District 77, teacher and superintendent. Thanks for coming in today.